You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. So this morning we're going to continue on this theme of faith in action, right, from uh, James 2. And this, this truth is, is that, this truth is that our faith is truly alive and attractive to others when others see that our faith is not simply a belief, but there's substance to it, right? Substance that's seen practically in our deeds, but also from our outlook and stance in life. The reality is people that aren't followers of Christ are watching you. And so how you perceive life, your outlook and your stance in life, that really does matter. And so two weeks ago, Tyler talked about marketplace ministry and how we're to work in life with the understanding that we're working unto the Lord. And then last week, he talked about, um, again, this faith in action, but in regards to prov- provision. And I, obviously, I wasn't here, but um, I, the way I understand it was this whole idea of we, we may not have a lot to give, but God's not necessarily looking for how much we have, but just our, our obedience in giving. And, um, and, and th- we can be giving our lives in so many different ways for the Lord. We just need to be obedient and trust that he has a, this amazing purpose for us. So that's kind of where Tyler went yesterday and, or sorry, last Sunday. And, um, and so this morning, what I want to look at is faith in action when disappointment comes. So faith in action when disappointment comes. And I believe that more often than not, and it's going to say in some, some words up on the, uh, on the screen here in a second, our trust in God during difficult moments in life is the time when people take most notice of our faith. See, in many ways, it's, it's easy to to love, to honor, to glorify, um, to do good works, to live for God when times are good. But what happens, what happens when, when the opposite is happening? When, when things aren't going as planned? What happens then, right? What happens when, when disappointment takes place? In these moments and seasons, is he clearly our source or, you know, is he clearly our source, our strength, our comfort, or do we look elsewhere? Do we look elsewhere? And I'm not saying that as as Christians, we have to be perfect, right? Or we have to um, put on a show or pretend everything is okay. That's, that's not what I'm saying here. You know, sometimes we think, sometimes I, I guess we're, you know, does this, does this really affect me? Yes, it does really affect me. It is challenging. So we don't have to pretend to be putting on this front that everything's okay. But is our trust in God exemplified to others in this time? That's what really counts. So we're talking about faith in action when disappointment comes. And, You'll notice I said, when disappointment comes. So the reality is that it's, it's not an if, 
but it's a when disappointment comes, right? Disappointment is not a maybe. It's a it will take place at some point in our lives. It's not a it's not a it's not a when. It's when. It's not an if. It's not maybe. It's a will. It's going to happen. And of course, for all of us, our disappointments are going to be different, right? They're going to look different for every single one of us. But none of us are exempt. And even this morning, I was just chatting with someone really, really briefly. And uh, we were just talking about how this, this sort of subject can be really, really challenging because everybody is impacted by disappointment differently. And, and in some ways, I've really been um, isolated, not isolated, but um, I haven't experienced some disappointments like many of you have probably experienced. And I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate at this point in my life that that has been my reality. And, and what, what, what I experience as potentially disappointment is going to be completely different than what you would experience as disappointment. And, and so, and then for me to go, okay, I've experienced, um, maybe not getting that promotion in, in a certain job. And somebody else says, and I've, um, I'm, I've lost a spouse or a loved one. I mean, to compare those two and to actually be able to communicate well enough this morning to cover all of these different emotions and thoughts and feelings that would go through that would be virtually impossible. But we're going to try and tackle it anyways and see what God has to say through it. So none of us are exempt. And, and so I don't have the answers necessarily for some of these big disappointments that have taken place. And I, I wrote a few down. Um, some of the big stuff, like not able to have a baby and then adoption not working out, right? That would be a big disappointment. Um, loss of a child or a loved one. Um, perhaps an unfair upbringing. You hear people's stories and you think right from the very beginning, uh, unless Christ entered into their story, there's absolutely no hope for that person simply because they were born into a difficult situation. Um, how about... Um, praying for someone and they're not healed or even praying for someone and they are healed and then a year later you find out that actually something else is going on I mean these are moments that are extremely challenging for us to to work through in our hearts and in our minds I don't always get these ones these ones may seem a little bit more minor and yet at the same time if they're your reality they're still disappointments and they're still tough there's still things that you have to work through. So loss of a job or, or not getting the promotion that you worked so hard for, right? How about feeling God say, go this way, and so you go that way, and then everything seems to fall apart. I mean, I'm sure a few of us can say we've been there, right? Um, how about not finding the love of your life? There's a few people that that might relate to. Separation and divorce or a, fr a friendship breakdown, or how about your kids going their own way? I know my parents have, have experienced that in their lives. Um, these are all things that I don't always get why these things happen, but they're things that, that take place, and I'm sure the list could go on if I allowed you to come up this morning and share a few of the things that, that you equate to disappointments. But what I do know is that more often than not, it comes down to trusting God beyond our ability to comprehend it. I mean, it, once again, we want, to, we want to figure it out. 
guys especially, we want to figure it out why these sorts of things take place. And sometimes the answer, it's just we're not going to get it this side of eternity, right? So it comes down to trusting God beyond our ability and admitting that at times the pain may override our faith slightly. Again, I'm sure there's been a few people here that could say, yeah, yeah, there were some moments where it was so painful that that it just, it overrode my faith. But in spite of what we see, we trust God that he's in control and that if we look to him with a wide open heart, we will see he's at work turning disappointment into good. And so I recognize that this obviously won't be easy. I recognize as well that, that in certain circumstances that you'll never have, it will never be normal again. You'll have to begin to live out this, this new normal. But I believe God can and will be our true source, um, because he's faithful to his word. And in Philippians 4.19, it says, he will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Right? That is his promise to us. So we're talking about faith in action when disappointment comes. And, and so my hope today is that we will walk away with some truths that will help us um, kind of work through some of these disappointing times, as well as understanding that how we handle disappointment matters. And as I said earlier, and you can put that up on the slide, Robbie, um, the, next, the next one, if it works, yeah. People take notice of our faith when they see how we trust God in and through the difficult times. So in John 11, we read the story about a man named Lazarus. And I'm not going to read through the entire story, but John 11... And in this story, we see, uh, we see God turning a bad situation into good. And I think many of us are aware of that story. But we see that this promise that we read in Romans 8.28, right? That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been call, called according to his purpose. We see this truth in that story. And in the story, we see how there's a man named Lazarus that has two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Lazarus is sick. And so they send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. And Jesus, instead of immediately going to where Lazarus is, he hangs out for a couple of more days with the disciples. And he lets the disciples know, like, basically, I got this, guys, it's all right. Then after two days of hanging out with the disciples, he goes, okay, let's go. And then the disciples begin to question, like, why do you want to go back there? Like, things weren't good there. There's going to be persecution there. There's going to be all sorts of stuff happening there. You don't want to go back there. But Jesus is like, no, 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 I got this guy. So he goes back, and immediately we see in the story that Martha hears word that he is in the vicinity, and so she runs to him, and, and then she talks to him, and then a little bit after that, Mary then also goes to see him. And then Jesus is like, okay, well, show me where you've buried him. Because now he's not just sick, but he's dead. 
and he's been placed in a tomb, and he's been wrapped up as they would do in that time. And so Jesus says, take me to where he is. And so they go to where Jesus is, and again, he, he just says, you know, he's like, I've got this, don't worry about it. Um, and so then he calls Lazarus out of the tomb, and the dead man rises and walks out, right? That's, in a nutshell, that is basically the story. And, uh, and if you'd like, you can go home this evening and read through that for yourself. And so as, as I look at this story, what are some of the takeaways from it? So first, the first one is, we need to embrace Jesus. So verse 20 says this, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Now, before you all judge me and think, okay, that, Julian, seriously, obviously we need to embrace Jesus, right? I mean, that's a given. And yet the reality is that if we're really honest with ourselves, I think sometimes when we're meant to embrace Jesus, we actually push him away. You may not be doing it in the physical, but in your heart, you distance yourself. You're not, you're not running to him in your heart. You're distancing yourself from him. You know the right answer. You know that you're meant to embrace Jesus. But when disappointment comes, sometimes it's so painful that it overrides your faith. And the last thing you do is embrace Jesus you actually tend to push him away to some degree. Disappointment is defined as this, the feeling of dissatisfaction that follows the failure of expectation or hopes to manifest. So if I have a desired outcome and it doesn't happen how I want it to happen, disappointment enters, right? So. I'm disappointed because I'm focused on the outcome, right? When we want something to happen, what are we focused on? We're focused on the outcome. And, and if the outcome isn't as we wanted it to be, then we get disappointed. And so as a believer, if the outcome was heavily dependent on God pulling through for us, and in our limited, limited understanding, he doesn't, right? then embracing him at that time isn't always our first choice. Our first choice might be blaming, blaming him, but it may not be embracing him, right? As I said earlier, sometimes the pain or disappointment can override our faith. But this was not the case for Martha. She embraced Jesus, right? She, she had some questions for him, but she embraced him. As soon as he was in the area, she went to him. Mary, on the other hand, did not. In this story, we see in also in verse 20, but the second part of verse 20, that it says Mary stayed at home. So it's interesting that the one who wanted to just simply be with Jesus is in this particular case, the one that actually doesn't run to Jesus, right? In the other story of Mary and Martha, what does Mary want to do? She just wants to sit at Jesus' feet. And Martha's the one that's busy doing all sorts of stuff. And in this particular case, we see that Martha runs to Jesus and Mary just stays at home. It's as though embracing Jesus 
was more difficult when things weren't as she hoped. Right? When, when, she was with, when she was with Jesus and everything was going fine, it was like, yeah, I can just hang out here. I'll just be with him. I'm going to embrace him. I love him. Things are awesome. But in this particular moment, when things weren't as she hoped them to be, it's like she stayed home. And, you know, it's not until Martha comes back from being with Jesus that she actually goes to Jesus because Jesus wanted to see her. And so I don't know for certain why she didn't go right away for, to Jesus. I'm not 100% sure. It doesn't necessarily say anything in particular, so I don't want to read into the scriptures. But I do know that this isn't what Jesus wanted. Jesus, he can't make us turn to him in disappointing moments, but he certainly wants us to. He wanted Mary to go to him. He wanted Mary to be with him. That is what he wanted. He can't make us, but that's what he wants. And he shows us this in verse 35, right? The shortest scripture in the book of, in the, in the word is Jesus wept, right? Jesus longs to enter into our disappointment because it's in his presence that we are able to maybe not completely make sense of everything, but where we will certainly know his, his abounding love, his sympathy, and his deep care for us. And I really believe that when we're in his presence, it outweighs all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the I need to know why. Now, again, I recognize that I may be speaking into something that I don't have a lot of authority in because I haven't experienced some of the gut-wrenching, painful disappointments that some of you had. But I, I'm pretty sure that when you begin to just enter into his presence and that's where you, where you just, you hibernate for a time, everything else fades away in those moments because his presence is so tangible and so rich and he just wants to surround us, right? That is what takes place. The second thing we see in this story is that God had a plan. So we need to embrace his plan. So I recognize that, that this again is easier said than done. And that it's hard to see God's plan, especially in tragedy. And to be honest, when life just isn't making sense, it's hard to see God's plan. I can speak into that. There are moments where I'm like, God, what is going on here? And why is this taking place? But I have to trust your plan. But it's in these times when that our trust in God can truly be displayed when we allow his plan to unfold in our lives. So we're talking about, as I've said many times, but I really want us to hear this, our faith in action when disappointment comes. Because I really believe that we are able to be examples of Christ in our moments of disappointment. And sometimes these are moments that we can actually shine the greatest for people. I love the scripture where it says, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So in your disappointments, right, God has a plan because he's faithful to his word to complete the work that he wants to do in your life. 
If there's a moment of, if you're in, in, in something that is disappointing and you don't understand what the plan is, that's where we need to embrace Jesus more and trust that he has something good to come out of what is happening. Because he says he will, that he will, um, he who began a good work in you will carry it upon to completion. So he wants to complete the work that he is doing in your life. This is, this is an amazing promise. And, and it's a promise that I think we need to hang on to even, even in, or more so, we need to hang on it, hang on to it when we're experiencing these disappointments. In Genesis 37, there's the story of Joseph. And again, this is another one. You'll have to go home and you'll have to read through Genesis 37 to like 42-ish or 3 or 4 or 45 maybe. I can't remember how long it is. To the rest of the book. It starts off um, with, it, with him having a couple of dreams. And that's in verse uh, 6 and 9 of chapter 37. Starts off with him having a couple of dreams from God. And then from there, it goes downhill really fast. Now, we know that Joseph was like the favorite son. So he probably wasn't like really wise to go and tell his brothers that, hey guys, this is what's going to happen. But he does. He tells them about this amazing, you know, dream that God has given him. And their response is, Okay, let's, let's kill him, right? That's, that's basically what happens. Let's do this guy in. We've had enough. Um, I'm done. My brothers have wanted to kill me sometimes. I remember one time they stuck me in the boot of a car before I was five years old, still living in England, and they left me there for a while. But they did come back out and get me, so that was good. But um, there were moments. Anyways, um, so in the end, they don't kill Joseph, but... What they do is they sell him to some travelers that are, that are kind of journeying by. And then what happens is he gets sold to Potiphar in Egypt. And then they tell their dad that he's dead, that he's done. So what we got here basically in this story is that Joseph is now separated from his family, right? Um, his dad thinks he's dead and he's living in a foreign land. I would say at this point, he has every right to be disappointed, right? I mean, I would be, and, and I would certainly be questioning the dreams. I would certainly be questioning if I was hearing from the right guy in those dreams, but he was. And so during this time, he gets, um, he, he gets put in a position of power as the chief attendant to those in power in Egypt. But even in this, right? He gets um, accused of making, I guess the easiest way to say it is a move on Potiphar's wife, and then finds himself in jail. So again, I would be asking, God, are you sure that this is your plan, right? Because again, we're talking about faith in action, and we're talking that we need to embrace God's plan. And how do we do that in disappointment, especially in moments when God's spoken to you, and then everything begins to fall apart, which is what's happening for Joseph. But he continues to trust God, and instead of seeing jail as the end, which is probably what I would have done, I'd be like, okay, I'm done, right? He exemplifies God, and again, he gets placed in a position of influence. And then what we see is 
while he's in, in prison, there are uh, two individuals that get put into prison with him. And, and Joseph ends up being sort of in charge of their lives. And these guys were the, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And so these two guys have dreams. And basically, Joseph interprets those dreams and tells the one guy, poor guy, you're going to die and you're going to live. Right? That's what happens in this story. And, uh, and the one guy that lives... Joseph says to him, remember me. When all goes well, remember me. That's what he says to him. <clears throat> it's two years goes by before anything happens. And there's no information in this time of what's taking place other than, I can assume, Joseph's hanging out in jail. Right? Again, that is, does not sound fun. And so Pharaoh now has a dream, has a couple of dreams. And this guy goes, oh, snap. I remember there's this guy, Joseph, that can interpret dreams. I should get him to interpret these dreams for Pharaoh. And so he lets Joseph, or so they get Joseph. He interprets the dreams. And basically, Joseph is given command. And actually, in verse 4140, of this, which is just an incredible, powerful line in Genesis. It says, you shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, right? So things are turning around for Joseph. And basically, he prepares everybody for seven years in the seven years of abundance, he prepares everybody for the seven years of famine. And this famine was not something that just took place in Egypt, but it was all around the land. And that is what ended up bringing his family to Egypt so that he could begin to speak to his family. And I won't get into all of those details. But because Joseph trusted God through all of the disappointments, allowing God to unravel his plan, even though it wasn't easy, again, two years in jail and all of the other things that was going on, was able to make known to an entire people group that God is the one true and faithful God. He, he trusted God in this plan. And because he trusted God right through it all, even though it was certainly a long period of time, we see that God was able to, to do an amazing thing in his life. There's a, a line that's mentioned a number of times, seven times actually, and it says, and the Lord was with him. Now, I know for sure that there would have brought no more comfort to Joseph than to know that. I think for all of us, when we're experiencing disappointment, we need to remember, again, that Jesus wants to enter into our disappointments. He wants to be there with us because that is really what is going to help you get through these, these really challenging times. So the Lord was with him. Not once did God forsake him, even when he was sitting in jail for two years. A perfect time to feel forgotten. God was with him, waiting for the perfect time to accomplish his plan. 
And that truth is the same for us today. That God has this plan for us. And he wants us to trust him in that plan. When we stay the course, God will do more than we can think or imagine through our lives, which will ultimately impact those around us. And I'm not going to share this next story because I'm clearly running out of time. But my question in this particular point is simply, in your moment, perhaps it's now or perhaps it's happened or perhaps you should just be thinking about when a disappointment time comes, am I going to trust God in that? Am I going to, to look to him for what he is wanting to accomplish in that time or what he can accomplish in that time, how he's going to turn that bad situation around for good so that not only will you grow in your relationship with him, but so that you can also be an example to others. The third area that we see um, in this story is that we need to embrace each other. And in verse 19, it says, many Jews had come to, Mar to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And I really believe we've, we've talked about the importance of, of um, caring for one, one another a lot. So I don't really want to um, go into too much depth in this particular point. But I do want to uh, reiterate the importance of each other. God designed us to do life together. And for, to, to think that you can do it on your own really is foolishness. God wants us to do life together. He wants us to journey together. And so he wants us to find people that are trusted individuals that we can talk to in those moments of disappointment so we can work through them and as well be an example to others. That's really all I need to say in regards to that. My last thought, though, is this. And we read it in verse 4, going back to Martha and Mary. And this is when Jesus was talking to the disciples. He says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So in other words, God brought about life in a bad situation and people noticed. That's what we see. The story ends with Lazarus being restored to life, right? And God wants to do the same in our disappointments. He wants to take those disappointments and turn them around for good. It doesn't always mean that it will turn out the way we hope or think it should, but he is more than able to take our situations and turn them around for good. And he does this not only because he is good and loves us, but also so others will see him at work in our lives and turn, turn to him. Ultimately, in so many scenarios, God is wanting you to be an example to others so that they would come to a place of turning their lives over to him. And your disappointments are able to do that. I think I'll just quickly end with this story, and Tom, you can come up with the team. I was just thinking about 
Judy this morning, and there's many of you this morning um, that I ultimately have been thinking about in regards to disappointment. But I know in Judy's story recently with the passing of her husband, John, I, I really thought about how well she handled the disappointment. And I was thinking about, in particular, how on the day of the funeral, the day to celebrate John's life, I've never seen somebody greet every single person as they came into the hall. That, I mean, I know I'm, I'm only 40, so there might be a few of you that have been around a little longer than me, but she greeted every single person when they, when, when they walked in. And I just felt like how well she honored John in that moment and how she exemplified to me this deep trust in God that, yeah, she was disappointed. I mean, you guys were believing God for complete healing. For whatever reason, that didn't take place on earth, but now he is completely healed, right? And I just, I remember just thinking about the example that you were to me, and I know that you would have been an example to many others that are not Christians in your community, how you were able to handle that, you know, just this, these, these last year or so, however long it was exactly, how well you handled that, just trusting God and just trusting his plan. And I really believe the way you handled it and the way you exemplified your faith and really um, how you exemplified John's faith, that others will come to Christ because of that. You were able to, to take a moment that was so challenging, so difficult, where others will come to Christ because of it. And, and I know in this room we have others that, that have b believed for healing and, and have had a good report, and now it's not a good report. And, and it's like, okay, God, what on earth are you doing in this situation? And we don't really understand it, and we don't, um, but we, we have to come back to that point where, like Mar Martha and Mary, where they just, they trusted God, where, where Joseph just trusted God, where they embraced Jesus, they trusted his plan, they brought people around them, and they said, God, I'm trusting that you're going to be able to use this situation to exemplify who you are, because you're a good God. So let's just stand together. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people, in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.